This is Darren Heitner of the How to Play the Game podcast. And today I am joined by Casey Schwab, who is the CEO of Altius Sports Partners and formerly was with the NFL Players Association as a vice president of business and legal affairs. Hi, Casey. How are you? I'm good, Darren. Appreciate you having me. It's always good to chat with you, man. I know you've been around the business a long time and in a lot of different areas, and we've, we've our uh, paths have crossed many times. So it's good to connect with you again. And I love talking to you now, especially because we're right in the thick of name, image, and likeness. And there's a lot of uncertainty as to what the national landscape will look like. You've developed this company called Altius Sports Partners. What exactly is it? Yeah, you mentioned the uncertainty. Um, and then it's a good segue into what Altius is and what we're doing, which is um, helping all the stakeholders, the university stakeholders, um, working with conferences, working with groups like Women Leaders in College Sports, which is a professional organization uh, made up of, of women administrators in college sports, um, all stakeholders, and educating them on name, image, and likeness, and, and helping them prepare for the regulatory landscape and, and frankly, the opportunities that are going to be coming for student athletes, which, as you know, Darren, there's going to be a lot of opportunities, but with opportunity comes risk, right? And so helping the folks in college athletics who, frankly, have never had to deal with this, these sorts of issues before, helping them really prepare for whatever the regulatory landscape looks like, whether it's the NCAA uh, promulgating rules or if it's a state legislature like the state of Florida, which goes into effect this summer, or if Congress happens to pass a bill that's, that provides a federal framework. In any event, these schools, their administrators, their coaches, the student athletes, they all need to be prepared. And that's what we're doing at Altis. And I think a, a, a follow-up to that is, with so much uncertainty, how do you properly educate and prepare these universities and other stakeholders? Right, right. It's funny. It's a question that I get on every single conversation almost with athletic directors and folks within athletic departments. Um, I think it's it starts with the basic education around intellectual property. That is, what is NIL? Um, what what is the right of publicity or publicity rights, as it's as as you know, as a lawyer, as it's typically known. Um, and and what is it? And what isn't it? And and then you from there, once you have a have a fundamental understanding of what NIL actually is, then you can go and you can start talking about building a brand. What does it mean to build an authentic brand as a student athlete? What does it mean to monetize that brand, whether it's like social media or whether it's um, licensing your, your NIL or your right of publicity for trading cards or bobbleheads or T-shirts? Um, and then from, from there, there's another, there's another whole uh, section of education, which is um, managers, marketing agents, lawyers, financial advisors. How do you vet these people? What questions do you ask? If you're a 19-year-old student athlete and you get approached by someone to represent you, what questions should you be asking? Um, and all of those things are irrespective of what the final rules are, because what we know is that the rules are changing. We know that student athletes in one shape or another are going to be able to, one, do NIL deals and make some money off the field or off the field of the court, and two, hire professional services providers to help them do so. 
So there's a ton of education that just goes into how you even begin making those decisions because you can't make a decision. It's kind of like um, you can't make a decision about, I don't know what you think about um, taxes or, or, you know, tax reform. If you don't have the basic understanding of the purpose of taxes and what taxes do or why am I paying taxes? Um, and as you know, Darren, like this world of in professional sports, this world of managers, agents, financial advisors, uh, they play a critical role in, in both the good ones play a critical role for helping professional athletes maximize their value and do these things right and plan and execute. And then there's some not so good ones and how, and making sure that these student athletes are working with the right people. Your industry, and I'll, I'll call the name image and likeness an industry that's developing. It's primarily, it primarily has businesses like open doors or influencer, those types that are trying to bring brands and athletes together and basically create economic opportunity for the athletes or even assist on the brand side. You seem to be doing something totally separate, which is, again, educating and preparing the athletes and creating relationships with the universities. What led you to create this company? What, what was the impetus for it? Yeah. Well, first of all, you're, you're right. Um, we, we are not competing uh, with influencer or open doors. Frankly, I think they're great companies. I think they do good stuff. Um, and, and I think they're compliments to what we do, meaning we can come in and what, what we're trying to do is come in to the uh, athletic director level or the deputy AD level and help them see the entire playing field from social media, branding to corporate partners and making sure that the MMR partners are uh, comfortable and, and, and not uh, making sure they're educated, making sure the coaches are educated and recruiting. Um, so you're absolutely right about that. What, what led me to it was um, my experiences and my background. Um, I, before the NFLPA, I was working at Fox Sports. Before that, I was at NFL Network. And both of those jobs um, were on the, obviously the TV side, but off the field. So they were mostly former athletes who were now going into the booth like Joe Buck or Troy Aikman, uh, Joe Buck didn't play, but Buck Aikman um, or, or in the studio like Strahan and um, uh, Terry Bradshaw. So that's all like a version of off the field NIL. And then at the PA, um, helping lead the for-profit side and the group licensing front, I, I've spent my career doing the infrastructure from negotiating deals to executing or helping the athletes actually execute the deals to making sure payment gets through to working with marketing agents and lawyers to make sure that everything, all the pieces are in the right place. And from that experience, I know how hard it can be. Um, and, and I know how, if you don't get it right on the front end, how ultimately the, the, the people who lose, the people who end up in the crosshairs, are the athletes. And that's where it started. Uh, I was at the NFLPA, like you mentioned, up in, through last spring. And last spring, early summer, um, started having conversations with folks like Oliver Luck, uh, Gabe Feldman, John Entz, David Carter, about how is this going to work in practice? Not in theory, but is how is this NIL landscape actually going to play out on, a, on an operational level 
at the institutions and with these companies that are out there. And those conversations led to, hey, there's a, there's a place in the market for people who have done this before in professional sports. And, that, and that's the place we're trying to fill. How challenging has it been to sign up institutional clients? <laughs> that's a loaded I assume, question. Man. I assume it can't be easy. That's a loaded question, man. Um, <laughs> look, it's not easy. And I got to say this. Um, I've spent my career at, at, at pretty big, powerful brands. And being an entrepreneur uh, is harder than it looks. And I have, I have, I have gained a respect for anybody who goes out and cuts their own way um, that I didn't have before, just, to, just generally, right? Um, and, then, and then specifically, like this uncertainty around the landscape, on the one hand, it's good for, for, for us in our business, because on the one hand, we're coming and we're saying, hey, we don't have all the answers, but we're going to help you get the answers. And we're going to be on the forefront of being ready for this. So the uncertainty is good in that way. But the flip side is the uncertainty is like bad in that some folks, some athletic directors, some athletic departments are saying like, hey, we don't even know what this looks like. How can we make a decision on a partner like right. Altius when we don't even we don't even know what we're doing? And, and it's a fair point, to be honest. Um, it's just a philosophy thing. Like it, it, it's do we do we want to jump and partner with somebody who can help us navigate this now? Or there's all this like kind of uncertain landscape beneath our feet, or do we want to wait for the ground to solidify and then potentially hire somebody? So it's been hard. And then the last thing I'll say is, um, you know, like I spent my career in professional sports, specific, specifically the NFL, different sides and, and college sports is just different. And I don't mean that is a bad thing, but it's just, there are more stakeholders. It's a little more, um, uh, how about uh, consensus is required a little more, right? Like in the NFL, there's, it's more like you, you, if you get to the decision maker, he or she is like, yes or no. Whereas I've found in colleges, there's a lot of stakeholders. So there's a lot of discussions that have to be had at all levels until be before you can get like an official sign off on, on signing a deal like LSU, right, like LSU or Texas, or we just announced South Carolina last week, which we're super pumped about. It's just, it's just not easy. Yeah, and so that's, that's very impressive. I mean, not only signing up three schools, but the, the size and strength and with the reputation of LSU, Texas, and South Carolina. When, when did you officially launch this company? Uh, we announced the launch on October, October 5th. So we'd been working on it for a few months. My last day at the NFLPA was July 31st. So technically, uh, the best, uh, probably August 1st, I would say, because that's when I became full-time as the CEO. And from a capacity standpoint, I mean, how many clients, how many institutional clients do you think you can handle? Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's another question that we get. I think we can, uh, we can I think the, we can handle a lot. But the key is the, the rate of growth, meaning we just hired our second full-time employee, uh, our first full-time account executive. And she starts on Monday. She's phenomenal. She has experience in the college sports space. And she can pick up the, the day one, not only the subject matter of NIL, but managing clients in the collegiate space. But she's going to come on 
And so now we have two, we have a client services coordinator full-time. We have an account executive full-time. They can manage the clients, but they're going to take some, some uh, ramp up period, right? Let's say that's three, four, five, six months. And, and, and so what we can do is we can keep adding account executives, but we can't do it at a rapid pace. Meaning if I had 10 schools signed to call me right now today and say, hey, where do we sign? We would have to make a decision on how we uh, uh, have incremental growth because we're not a, we're not a, we're not a scalable uh, uh, tech company like Uber or, or DoorDash, right. right? We're a high touch. It's a problem to have. So it, it is a good, it would be a great problem to have, but, and, and, and so we're, we're, we're growing and we have a couple other schools, two other schools signed that we haven't announced yet. We have several other schools we're talking to, but what we're trying to do is be very um, measured in our approach to make sure that what we're, we're able to, de- to deliver on what we're saying, which is we're going to be the premium brand. We're going to be the, the blue chip premium, high touch, white glove, whatever, whatever business cliche you want to use. <laughs> we're going to be there working. Yeah, I got like 20 of them. We're going to be there working with your coaches. We're going to pick up the phone when your assistant baseball coach has a question, right? We're going to be there for all of your student athletes. And that takes a lot of resources. I assume your primary competition is actually the institution itself that decides we don't need to go outside of our house and hire someone like you, but, um, and I'm sure that's just an educational process for you to, to tell the, the schools why it's advantageous for them, but outside of the schools deciding to keep it internal, do you have any competition at this point? There, there are companies that have popped up um, that are uh, doing what we do, which is this holistic uh, educational advisory across the board. There, there are companies that are doing that. Uh, and then, but, but I, I really do think, and this is not to sound arrogant at all, there are perf- very legitimate companies in this space. So I guess, let's say in addition to that, you're totally right that our competition is, um, is folks saying, hey, we can just either uh, put this on the the job description of current employees, or like the University of Arkansas, I saw um, hired somebody to head up their NIL. They actually made a new position. So I would argue, and and you're not going to be surprised by this, Darren, but like I would argue that even in that case, we're going to be able to help. So it's a little bit like uh, when I was at the NFL we had a tax lawyer in-house and right. We a tax lawyer. All he did was tax, but we still had, we still had outside counsel for tax when now, right. when I was at the NFLPA, right. We didn't have any tax lawyer in-house. I called our tax lawyers outside counsel and they probably got more work. They got paid more because we didn't have anybody in-house, but that's not to say we didn't need the outside counsel, the subject matter expert when I was at the NFL. Um, and then the third category of competition, and frankly, this might be the biggest one. It's um, it, it it's paralysis by fear, which is results from confusion. So confusion, fear, paralysis in that order, because people are going, we don't know, we I don't understand this stuff. I don't know what we're going to be able to do, which leads to this like, I don't want to make the wrong move, which is the fear part, which leads to we can't make a decision because we are afraid to make the wrong move because we don't understand. That's actually, I think the biggest um, 
competitor or the impediment to us getting more deals. Again, we're, we're actually on track for what we're trying to do, but to get to the, if we wanted to sign 20 schools today, that would be the biggest impediment. I only have a few more questions for you and I, I appreciate your time, Casey. You mentioned earlier, yeah, sure. you mentioned earlier that Congress has quite a few bills to consider. Uh, do you have any insight or a take on whether or not Congress takes action on any of these bills? And if so, what the timetable would be? No, I don't. I, I don't. I mean, I don't have any more insight than than you would or, you know, we'd be able either of us have would be able to read or could read. So it, I don't have any insight or knowledge. But like, look, you and I both know that the congressional session it happens this spring and uh, like we've seen these different bills and you got the, the Alston case, which is not NIL, as you know, it's education related benefits, and, but it's kind of similar. Um, my best guess, and this could be totally wrong. My best guess though, is we don't see, we don't have clarity on a national level on NIL until June, right up until the date when your home state, uh, Florida's law goes into effect in July. And I just don't see it happening before that. Could I be wrong? Sure. Uh, Congress could su surprise us all and um, make some moves. And obviously there are folks like Cory Booker who, who this is a high priority issue for him. And so we'll see. I wonder if it, be, if it actually makes the whole scenario more challenging if Congress decides to pass a bill in such close proximity <laughs> yeah. to us going live in Florida. Um, yeah, I think that's actually a good point. I think it would potentially make things even muddier. Yeah, I, I, I tend to believe the same. Uh, again, thanks for coming on. One last question. From where you sit, how, how big do you think this NIL industry could be? Mm, it's, a good, uh, it's a good question. I mean, look, if, if you break it, down i would put it into like two buckets and these you know nil industry like i what we're doing is is not directly at least related to the uh call it the market for student athletes to get paid for endorsements right i mean it is indirectly because if there's not a market for the student athletes to do endorsements or to do nil deals well then our services aren't needed at the school level right? Obviously, but, but we're not like some of the other companies in the market where we're getting some form, some form of a fee or a percentage or, or, you know, even connecting the student athletes with brands. That's not what we do. So I, if you, if you look at like that bucket, the bucket of the NIL market for the student athletes, it's really hard to say because like we don't have the other side of the equation, right? Because like we have the comps the proxy data of so professional athlete makes 10 grand for uh, a professional athlete with um a hundred thousand followers or a quarter of a million followers makes 10 grand for two posts whatever those numbers are we have those metrics um the nflpa has those metrics from my you know past life and and even some of the companies like open doors i know has those metrics but what we don't have is the um the brand side and i don't I don't know how to calculate that. Um, like you, I'm sure you've talked to a lot of brands, talked to a lot of brands, both in the licensing front. So the fanatics and the paninis and the sponsorship front at the national level, like the, you know, big spenders. 
And I don't, I don't have a good sense of how robust the market's going to be. I think some of it depends on um, two things. One, just frankly, how complicated is it? Because if it's really complicated from a regulatory standpoint to get into the, the, the space, well, if you're a brand that might deter you from even trying and you just stick with what you know, which is professional athletes and it's relatively easy and straightforward. The second one is um, this issue around are student athletes going to be allowed? Or I guess let's, let, me, let, let me flip it. Will they be prohibited from doing NIL deals along with their school marks? Right. I know you, you have some opinions on this issue, Darren, but, and so do I, but like, if, if we land in a place where student athletes are not allowed to do deals, any NIL endorsement deals with their marks and, or, but, and we land in a place where student athletes are prohibited from doing deals with competitors of school partners. There's not a whole lot of market left. Yeah. It seems very limiting. Right. It's like it guts the market. And, 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 and like under the last NCAA proposal of rules, those two things were both present. And, and if you look at like the landscape of all deals under the sun, and then you take all of the school partners and you were to define those categories, and then you look at what's left, there's not much left. And then you add in that they can't even like be in their LSU sweatshirt or their Texas Jersey. It's like, I, I frankly think that's going to like, that'll gut the market which will just rise, give rise to more litigation. Um, and then that's a long answer to the first part, the, the, the shorter answer to the like, like Altius, our side of the NIL industry. I don't know how big the market's going to be. Frankly, I don't think, um, I don't think the, the advisory education, the advisory slash education market for schools can be all that big. I think it's going to take, um, some time, but I think there's going to be some winners and some, some not winners, <laughs> put it that way. I think there's going to be some companies and I, obviously I'm bullish and I hope ours is one of them that withstands the chaos over the next year or two as this thing rolls out. And in three or four years, what th what's going to happen, regardless of where these rules land, is it's going to level out, meaning like this thing is going to become normalized. Folks at athletic departments are going to get it. Hopefully by that point, student athletes get it. And then what our business turns into is educating the freshman class as they come in and being a resource for when any of the student athletes have questions in real time, like on a Tuesday night, they get a DM on Instagram. Well, they have someone to turn to. And, and our, that, that's where our like long-term business comes in. And that's where we can um, integrate technology solutions. We can integrate different uh, uh, more scalable ways of delivering that guidance once this once this market uh, levels itself out, smooths smooths itself out a little bit. Well, you're off to a great start with some best in class clients. So congratulations on that. Uh, Thank you, man. No, I appreciate it. I wish you well. You're extremely reputable in the industry, and so I'm not at all surprised by your early success. And I'm looking forward to hearing. What other schools you've already signed up that you haven't yet announced? But <laughs> you notice I didn't mention the names. <laughs> I noticed. I noticed, and I'm not going to pry because I'm sure you're not going to tell me. So, <laughs> um, well, listen. I, how about how, I will say this? I'm not going to give you clues as to who they are, but I have found you talk. You asked me earlier how hard it is to you know get these deals, and it it, it seems almost as hard to get the announcement and PR plan 
approved, almost as hard to get that approved at some of the universities as it is to get the deal done. That's why. Because there's a lot of stakeholders, you know, a lot of people, a lot of people have to review it. And a lot of people will say, ah, let's pause. And, but it's all good, man. I, I'm not, we're not, we're not building this business for the, for the press releases. We're building it for the outcomes when the schools in a, a year or six months can say, holy smokes, these guys really, really helped empower our student athletes and protect everybody on campus. And as long as the ink is dry, you've got nothing to worry about. <laughs> exactly, exactly. All right, Casey, I appreciate you coming on and I, uh, I wish you very well. All right, man. Appreciate you having me. See ya.